What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of High on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. I'm your host, Jacob Knight. We've got a good episode for you on today. Okay, today we're giving you the latest news about the PlayStation 5. We talk about a popular Netflix show coming back real soon. We got a college football pick for this upcoming weekend, and we're going to talk about El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes. That time of the week again, everybody. High on Infinity, like always. If you're a first time listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back. We've got a great episode lined up for you today, folks. There's a couple quick things. Um, I think about two or three weeks ago, I said I was going to do an NBA preview podcast. I finished my notes, so I'm going to print them out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to print them out Friday before I leave work and record over the weekend to have that podcast for you Monday, right before the NBA season. And also... I got something cool lined up for the podcast down the pipeline. I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row, get all the kinks worked out before I announce it. So hopefully in about two weeks time, I can get on the podcast and my social medias at So Yeah, I'm Asian on Instagram and Twitter and, and you know, it, and uh, give you all my announcement that I've been working on for the past, I don't know, probably the past month or so, but we'll get to that in due time. But today... First topic today, we're talking about the PlayStation 5. After skipping this year's E3 and no details about, no no details in their way to stay to play conference, Sony has announced a release date for the PS5, well, sort of. Uh, the PS5 is scheduled for a holiday 2020 release, and holiday season is considered between October and, uh, b- between October and December, but the PS3 and PS4 were, were released in November in the year of its, you know, in the year it came out. So if I was a betting man, I'm not a betting man, but, but if I was, I would say November 2020 will be the release date right before Black Friday. Yeah, also, yeah, Black Friday. I remember when I bought a PS4, I waited in line four hours on Black Friday to get my PS4. But, but anyways, uh, also, you know, they're going to probably release it around that time to compete with Microsoft's project scarlet system releasing around the same time and that's gonna you know start the console wars to be honest to me in the console wars, this is the rubber match is the best it was the best of three series i want to say between the xbox 360 and ps3 the xbox xbox 361 between the ps4 and the xbox one the ps4 one so this con- so this right here will probably determine the winner of the console wars but very few details about um the system has been revealed. Uh, we'll find out more probably at uh, the next State of Play conference. Nope, don't know when that's going to come out, but it, uh, when it does, I'm going to update you on the podcast. And most certainly, we'll find out more on uh, E3 2020 because Sony will more than likely be there because we'll find out on the actual release date for the system and what games will be launch titles. So what games will be on the PS5? Um, I assume all the big Sony games within a year release of the PS4 will be imported to the PS5, so we'll probably get The Last of Us 2, Death Stranding, the Final Fantasy VII remake, the Avengers game, and Cyberpunk's 2077 will probably will probably be imported to the PS5 as well. And I think the creators of Cyberpunk did say um, if you play on the PS4, then you get the PS5, all your save data will transfer between systems, so that'll be good. And the CEO of uh, PlayStation did confirm that backwards compatibility will be available on this upcoming system and with crossplay being implemented now i would assume that crossplay crossplay will be on the next gen system as well and also their cloud streaming gaming services what is cloud stream gaming 
uh, well, instead of buying games on a disc or downloading it, you'll be able to stream it, you know, from the cloud, like a Netflix or a Hulu show. And the debate will always go on eventually, like, will all these systems go discless and just be on the cloud? Me personally, I like to have the physical copy of the game, but I, I got to... You know, we got to understand that you know times are changing, so we got to adapt with the time. So eventually, I'm gonna have to you know eventually, uh, disc or video games are gonna be no one voice, so everything's gonna be available on the cloud. So you just gotta get get used with the times. And uh, now I think I think Sony, not so deep, Microsoft is testing the streaming based service with the Project X Cloud within the next few months. And I assume both Sony and Microsoft are gonna test this out before the launches of their new systems. Um, late next year. Well, what are some possible launch titles for the PS5? Me personally, these are just five games or five or five game series. I think will be a good, you know, just a good welcome title to the PS5. But the first one is uh, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn to me was an underrated game. I think it came out in two. I think early. I want to say early 2017, and it was yeah, it was a sleeper game for that year, in my opinion. It's basically this. You're in this post-apocalyptic future, like it doesn't, but it, it looks like it's in the past because it's like it's like a bunch of trees and wilderness, and you're fighting these um, machines like they, you know that resemble animals that took that took over the world. And it's big, you know, big open world sandbox game. I personally liked it, and to me, the first game was really good, and I wouldn't mind a sequel. The next one is a sequel to Marvel Spider-Man that came out. I want to say September, yeah, September of last year. Once again, like you know me, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. That game was actually really good, and the ending to the first game, you know, left it open for a sequel. And the next one is Elder Scrolls Six. I'm gonna keep this short and simple. I don't know a damn thing about no Elder Scrolls. I just know that it's a very popular series. In the last game, Skyrim was Skyrim was probably one of the most popular video games ever released. So, in Elder Scrolls 6 been been hinted at for the past couple of years. I want to say Elder Scrolls 5 came out in 2000 and I want to say 2011, so we're looking at an 8-year wait. So, I I wouldn't be surprised if if it was launched on as a launch title for this new PS5. The next is a God of War 2, not a remake to the God of War 2, but the sequel to the PlayStation 4 God of War. Uh, I I have the game. I'm part about 75% through the game. I really like the game a lot and I think it broke records when it was released and I would assume the place, you know, God of War is one of was one of Sony's uh flat you no know, one of the PlayStation's flagship franchises that and the next game we'll talk about uh and uh soon are two of the most well-known PlayStation games in the history. So, a sequel to God of War, like I said, I won't be mad at it. I'll probably get it in the last game. It's probably not going to happen, but I you know, a guy can dream. I would say another Uncharted game. Uh, yes, for those of you who played Uncharted, yes, it ended after the fourth one. But come on, this is Uncharted. To me, the game that that kept the PlayStation 3 alive with the first three games in the trilogy and the fourth one being released on a PS4. I think a fifth Uncharted game will be good. Maybe a prequel game or maybe even a sequel to the spinoff game. I can't remember the name of it. I think it was The Lost Legacy. It was a little, was a little short eight-mission game, but I, I would love for it to be a sequel to that if they decide to go that route. But like I said, a PlayStation 5, holiday 2020, more likely going to be November. But next, we're going to talk about a popular Netflix show returning for its second season.
Okay, so y'all know this is a family podcast, and I try not to use foul language on here, but in this segment, I'm going to have to use it because it's in the title. Okay, so the popular British show, The End of the Fucking World, makes its return to Netflix for a second season on November 5th. The first season premiered in October 2017 in the UK on this video on this video on demand service called All Four and was put on Netflix in January of 2018. Uh, the second season will be released on both platforms on the same day of November 5th. And it's one of the rare British shows that's going to be broadcast in America in its original form. I'll say Doctor Who is another one. And there's no like there's no American version of the show because some of the more popular TV shows here like The Office, The It Crowd and Shameless are are all based on. Um, British TV shows and the first season of end of the fucking world was really good to me in my opinion it's, it's a dark comedy if you like that kind of stuff I don't remember how I stumbled upon the first season I think um I think I was just on Twitter or Instagram and I just saw like this this show was getting the following and I was like end, end of the fucking world what kind of title this is you know like a title like that is going to interest you and so I decided to watch it so after after a successful first season in 2018 uh, the showrun is renewed for a second season. And basically, a, a basic premise of the show or the first season was uh, the series follows two teenagers, a boy and a girl. Uh, the boy believes he's a psychopath. Like, he likes to kill animals as a hobby. But when he gets bored of that, he's like, hey, I want to kill a human. See how that feels. So he picks out his classmate, this, this like rebellious teenage girl. So they plan to hang out. And the teenage girl's like, hey, uh, do you want to run away together? Because she's trying to escape... Um, it's been a while since I saw the first season. I want to say her stepfather is verbally abusive to her and her mom. And while they ran away, um, he'd been playing a killer on this trip. And during the, during the duration of him trying to kill her, he saves her from this traumatic event. And, and he starts to have feelings. Uh, he started to develop feelings for the girl uh, you know, while they're together. And throughout the season, you know, like I said, a series of, of unfortunate events happen to this duo. And basically ends up there on the run from the law. And season one did end on the cliffhanger. Um, I think they haven't addressed it in the none of the, sh- none of the showrunners addressed it. I think it's just up to our interpretation for the moment till the season comes out. Uh, but it's safe to say that this show did develop a cult following. And I assume the popularity of the show being put on Netflix and for America, for American audiences, played a factor into for a season renewal. But the first season is still on Netflix. Is eight. I want to say it's. I want to say eight episodes, about 30 minutes long. And like I said, on this podcast, I just like to talk about shows that interest me. And, you know, if these shows like this or Stranger Things or Breaking Bad or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, any, any, you know, any of the shows I talk about on this podcast, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to just recommend people to, you know, I'm trying to recommend shows for people, new shows for people to watch. I can't speak today. Yeah, that's just basically what's one, what's one of the uh, the topics of this podcast. Just talk about shows that I like that, that may interest you, the listener. Well, hey, End of the Fucking World. That sounds like a catchy, that's a catchy title for a show. I might want to check it out. But yes, End of the Fucking World returns for its second season on November 5th. Okay, let's pick some college football games. Okay, college football pick on week eight. Uh, last week I did bounce back. I went eight and two in my picks, and overall after seventy games, I am fifty and twenty. Okay, so this this week we're gonna start off on a Friday night with number four ranked Ohio State traveling to Northwestern. This game, hmm, first off, me personally, I think Ohio State should be the number one team ranked in the uh, 
the country right now. They got a Heisman contender in Justin Fields. They got a good running back. I want to say his name is J.K. Dobbins, if I'm correct. And they got Chase Young on defense, probably a top five pick in next year's draft. And like, Jake, why Ohio State should be ranked number one? They ain't playing nobody. Well, in my opinion, they ain't playing nobody, but they're blowing them out. You know, they're winning the game they're supposed to. They're not having no closed games like Clemson did against North Carolina. I mean, they're blowing these teams out by 20, 30, hell, sometimes even 65 points like they did against Miami of Ohio. I think with this game, possible trap game. I think they play Wisconsin the next week or the week after, but I don't think so. Ohio State, feel like, I think this year they're playing loose. Underneath their their coach, their new coach Ron Day, in the, the last couple years they had the Urban Meyer crowd hanging over them, especially last year after the whole domestic violence cover up situation. So I feel like they're playing a lot more loose and freely this year. So I have so I have Ohio State winning big Friday night against Northwestern. Next, we're heading down to the SEC. We have number nine Florida traveling to South Carolina. Uh, okay, last week was a great game between Florida. And LSU, kind of a shootout. And you have South Carolina off the upset win uh, between the hedges at Georgia. Uh, this game, usually Florida-South Carolina games are always close. Uh, I think uh, both teams, well, Florida needs a bounce-back victory. And I think South Carolina wants to keep up the momentum. The momentum from the week, from the win against Georgia. But I think this game is going to be really close. I think Florida is going to pull away at the end. I have this game probably at maybe... I say 27-24 uh, Florida. And next, we're going to one of the only few ranked versus ranked matchups. We had number 18 Arizona State versus number 15 Utah. This game, I don't know why this game was hard to pick for me. Uh, Arizona State is riding high after a few, a few uh, victories over some you know high-quality competition in Utah. They're trying to stay in the Pac-12 race and probably the college football race. Uh, with this one, who this was a tough one, but I'm going to have to ride with Utah. To win this game, I think Utah's defense is going to be the is going to be the key to this game against Arizona State and their high flying offense. With their, I, I don't know, what, I don't know, think, I don't know their quarterback name, but they got a good quarterback, good you know a dual threat quarterback. And next, we're traveling to the ACC. We got an unranked matchup between Duke and Virginia. Virginia been on the downslide after the loss of Notre Dame thing. They lost two in a row since that game. No, they lost that game in another game. Uh, Entering this game, in this game, I have, I think I have Duke winning. I think Duke, on Duke, one of Duke's only loss was against Alabama, so you can't really hold that against them. I, I think they've been playing good since then. They've been four and one since that loss against Alabama, so I have Duke continuing their momentum and winning that game. And next, we have Auburn versus number eleven Auburn versus Arkansas. Uh, this is first, this Auburn's first game after the bye week, um, after the loss to Florida, where. I can't lie, I'm an Auburn fan, so I'm I'm objective though. But this is the first time that uh, Bo Nix looked like a true freshman. Uh, yes, the defense scored four turnovers, but if you don't capitalize off those turnovers, you know you can't win the game. I think Bo Nix, he he did, yeah, he did. He had some good throws, uh, but he did play like a true freshman. I remember one throw to Seth Williams. He could have walked in for the touchdown, but he overthrew him just a little bit, and Seth Williams stumbled and he threw, I think two or two bad interceptions. He threw three total, but one interception, which is a great play by the defender. But I think they're going to bounce back, even though we don't have our running back, Booby Whitlow, for the next uh, four to six weeks after knee surgery. But I think we can bounce. This is a good bounce back game for Bo Nix to get his swagger back against Arkansas before hitting the LSU uh, the next week. And next, we're going to the one of the premier matchups in the Pac-12. We have 
Number 13 ranked Oregon versus number 25 ranked Washington. Well, this this matchup should be top 15, but Washington did lose against Stanford surprisingly last week, and Oregon's still riding high after that after that loss to Auburn in the beginning of the season. Justin Herbert is playing like a top quarterback in the next year's draft. But I do have Oregon winning this game. I think it's going to be a little closer than expected. I would say Oregon probably going to win, i say 31-24 around that area. And next, a game that won't be close, we have uh, Tennessee going to number one ranked Alabama. This is supposed to be one of the pre- pre- premier rivalries in the SEC, but I think Nick Saban hasn't lost to Tennessee since he's been there. I want to say... 13 and 0, I want to say he's against Tennessee. I uh, think only only two of the games were close. Like that block field goal against Lane Kiffin and a couple years ago with Josh Dobbs, where uh, Alabama won by, I think they won by like, I think 19 14 was the score of that game. But this game won't be 19 14. This game probably going to be more than like 55 55 14. So I got Alabama huge. And this game, and next we're going to the group of five. Well, group of five versus independent. We have 14-ranked Boise State versus BYU. I can't lie. I root for Boise State. Boise State, I think Kurt Herbstreit called them the people's champ uh, because, you know, every time it's them against a big school, like, you can't help but to root for the little guy. You know, like I root for, them, root for them against Florida State. And they do have history of playing bigger schools and beating them. And Boise State is the favorite group of five to be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. But it go to... Uh, BYU, which is a tough play, tough place to play. So I think the game's going to be a little closer behind Boise State pulling out at the end to win the game. And next is the premier matchup of the weekend. We have 16th-ranked Michigan versus 7th-ranked Penn State in Happy Valley at night. There's I really haven't really watched too many Penn State games, but apparently Happy Valley at night, they're having a whiteout game, which is really huge. I think their stadium home's like over 100,000 people. Probably one of the best spectacles to watch in college football when you're on TV. There's a whole bunch of, you know, everybody wearing, to me, everybody wearing the same color is pretty cool in a stadium. But in this game, this game rules are really hard to pick. I have Penn State. They're, to me, they're the better overall team, better quarterback, better offense. Defense, you probably give it to Michigan. But like I said, uh, I don't think Shea Paris and them, and them can generate enough offense to beat Penn State. So I may have Michigan State winning this game probably, I say, 31-20 maybe. But I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State won by double digits. I'll be really surprised if Michigan wins. Yes, I know I picked Michigan to be in the college football playoffs, but after that I lost to Wisconsin, I'm like, man, I made a wrong pick. But, yes, I do have Penn State winning uh, that game. And my upset pick of the week, it was kind of hard because – Nothing really sticks. Like nothing this week really stuck out to me. Like yes, this is the upset pick of the week. And yes, I was wrong with Texas, so I'm not picking Texas and upset pick of the week no more. I'm 0 2 when I pick them. But this week I have Temple over 19 ranked SMU. Um, Temple, they're five and one. I want to say they're unranked, which is shocking. Usually you're five and one, more likely you're ranked. And they're going against they're going against one of the surprise teams in college football, number 19th ranked SMU. I think they're also. Five and one, and this is the first time SMU has probably been relevant in college football since I want to say the Pony Express days in the '80s, where they were paying players to come play for them, and they received the death penalty. That's probably the most you know uh, TV time SMU has gotten since that time of the Pony Express. But I do have a Temple. I think they bring a defense, and like I said, defense always travels, and they can play. You know, great defense can play with anybody. So I have Temple upsetting number 19th ranked SMU. Book it. Okay, so El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, was released on Netflix last Friday. The movie serves as the epilogue 
to the show Breaking Bad. Uh, I got on this podcast. Y'all know how I feel about Breaking Bad. I think Breaking Bad is the greatest show ever put on television. And ever since the end of 2013, there was always rumors of a spinoff or a movie taking place after the events of the series finale. And because there were so many questions to be asked, like to me, what happened to Walter's family and Hank's wife after the events of that of the show. But most importantly, what happened to Jesse? Because the last time we saw him, he was driving off the compound while Walter, you know, succumbed to his gunshot wound and the cops found him. But there is a prequel series of the show called Better Call Saul following a lawyer, Saul Goodman, before he meets Walter and Jesse. But in August of this year, it was announced that a movie uh, will be coming out set immediately after the events of the series finale will be released this October. And basically, the, basically they filmed the entire movie in the secrecy and the title El Camino was brought about because that's the kind of car Jesse was driving when he escaped the compound series at the end of Chevrolet El Camino. My overall thoughts of the movie, I liked the movie. It was To me, it was watching like a two-hour episode of Breaking Bad. It answered the question that, every, that everybody wanted to know, like what happened to Jesse after the show ended. And fun fact, Jesse was supposed to be killed off at the end of season one, but the creators liked him so much they kept him around as a main character. And Jesse, to me, was always my favorite character in the show, followed by Hank, Walter's brother, the D, the DEA agent, and Mike, who's also in Better Call Saul. And Jesse, to me, was a was a misguided character, to say the least. Every time there was like a standoff or like guns were being drawn or they had to do like a heist of some sort, you always see he had this look on his face like, man, I'm, I'm in way over my head with this one because Jesse was just a small level... You know, meth cook slash dealer, and he just showed Walter like the basics of, I guess, the drug business. And then Walter took over. When well, once he, Walter got the grasp of it, he took it over and made it, you know, made it even bigger. You know, enough to become the drug kingpin of the Southwest. And majority of the, um, majority of the time, Jesse was just a chess piece, you know, a pawn in a bigger plan. And uh, later that season, you know, he he was just a pawn in a plan orchestrated by Walter. And as the show went on, Jesse became the moral compass of the show. He, but he was the only one that actually had a heart. They say the least, you know, he's the only one to have a heart in the drug business. He showed emotion if he had to kill someone he didn't want to kill. Or, you know, he saw someone get killed that wasn't supposed to die. And also, Jesse was the most broken of all the characters on the, sh- all the, characters on the show. So he suffered the most loss. Like, two, he had friends and loved ones that died. Two of his love interests died. Basically... Right in front of him, Jane in season two OD'd in the bed right next to him, and Walter watched her die. And Andrea in season five was murdered by Todd and his crew right in front of Jesse. A real chilling and emotional scene in season five. And in the majority of season five, he was held captive in the cage, forced to cook meth. And during the show, he always uh, he always had someone determining his own faith, mainly Walter. And and in this movie, El Camino, he finally he finally gets to do. You know, he finally, he finally gets to determine his own faith in, in this movie. And uh, the movie starts off immediately after where the series left off. Like right after he drives through that fence in the last episode, that's when the movie starts. Uh, the film jumps. Wait, I'm skipping ahead of my notes. And yeah, with Walter dead, you know, like I said, the series takes place after uh, the series finale. With Walter dead, they confirm it. That he's dead. I had my theory that he was alive, but with Walter dead, uh, Jesse is a wanted man after being an accomplice to Heisenberg's meth empire. And at this point, and at this point, Jesse is a broken man, both mentally and physically. Like you see, like the back of his, the back, his back has like 
like whip marks on it and scratches and claws. And the film jumped back and forth from present time after the after the series finale and during times in season five where he was being held captive. And also a couple scenes that took place in the past. I think it said it took place during season two. But Jesse's main purpose of this film is to gain what was rightfully his, you know, his share of the drug money. So Jesse has to backtrack his steps to find the money while also at the same time avoiding the police as well. Because, you know, he's a part of the, he's the most wanted man in America. And by and this is by far the best performance of Jesse Pink of the of the Jesse Pinkman character we've seen in all iterations of Breaking Bad. And during the film, we see him at his look at the lowest of lows and the highest of highs as we follow Jesse's pursuit. To stay a free man. And my final thoughts on the film. I really I really like the film. Like I said. It was, an, it was like watching a supersized episode of Breaking Bad. If I had to give it a ranking 1 out of 10. I'd give this a, a solid 8. Really good. It's probably worth a couple rewatches if you're a Breaking Bad fan. And it was tense at the right moments. It was emotional at the right moments. And it ended with a, break, a classic Breaking Bad standoff. And uh, I definitely recommend this movie to anyone that's watched Breaking Bad. I, it's preferable. <laughs> That you watch Breaking Bad before seeing this movie, and this adds another chapter to the Breaking Bad universe, along with Breaking, you know, with Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and then El Camino. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of High on Infinity. I greatly appreciate y'all taking time out of y'all busy day to give this podcast a listen. Please like, subscribe, share this podcast, tell your family, tell your friends about this podcast. Give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at SoYeahImAsian. And see y'all next week. Y'all have a good one.